Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass its flower falls and its beauty perishes, so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thanks, John. Well, as you just heard, um, we are not in the Minor Prophets right now. Um, so we are, uh, the Kents are on a family vacation for the next two weeks. And so today and, and next week I'll be preaching and then Ransom will come and finish up uh, three weeks of the Minor Prophets. And then I will actually uh, be preaching twice after that. And so instead of maybe jumping all around to different texts, I thought it might be good if we had some continuity. And uh, we're not going to be able to go through the whole book of James, obviously, but I wanted to pull out uh, over the next four times that I'm preaching um, several things that James is teaching us uh, for us to, to know and understand as we follow Christ. And, and so that's where we, we start this morning is, is uh, with the book of James, and, and then that will bring us into the school year. And it's kind of crazy to think that we will be going back to school in uh, just a, about a month or so for, for many of us. Um, with the Olympics and uh, going back to school, I, I, I did think through this week about uh, my own private Olympics that I had in elementary school. It, it was, it's a day, and your school probably did this, it might not have been called this, but everyone's school pretty much has this elementary day where everybody gets up for, and it's a blast, and it's called Field Day. Everybody remember Field Day? Field Day was one of my favorites. You went outside, you played all day, the lunch was never that great, it was like bag lunch, but you never had homework, and it was a day, it was, it was a little bit, I've, I've referenced the Olympics a few times, let me say it's, it was more like Lord of the Flies, is what field day is. It's, if you're a teacher, I don't think you like field day, but if you're a kid, you love it, and uh, you know, you would run fast, you'd throw stuff really far, you'd play a lot of games, and it always ended, I, I think everyone's school ended field day where each class got to wave the rainbow parachute and pop the balls up into the air, and then, you know, all of a sudden the teacher would go under, and everybody would throw it under, and you were in this big dome, and, and it was unbelievable. <laughs> you were astonished and amazed, and it was... You were in a tent before, but it never felt like a tent. It felt like your own private island, uh, you know, full of parachutes. That was field day. And, and 
it was a day that I loved. I look forward to it. I'm sure a lot of you guys did the same. But, what, you know, we play all these games, and I, and I think we played it in field, game, but field day, but we also played it in gym class, and it was this game that is, uh, we just called it Move If. Do you guys remember the game? It's like everyone lines up on a starting line, and then the teacher goes like 20 yards down, and will say, move if, and then they'll say something, and if it's true about you, you take a step forward, right? Move if, and if it's true about you, you take another step forward. You take another step forward. And the goal is the winner is the first one that gets to the teacher, right? And it's, it's like more, it's like an intellectual version of red light, green light. But, but they're just, you're just kind of moving along, and, and I, I give you that picture this morning. It's not a perfect picture by any means, but I give you the, that grid to work with is, as we look at the first chapter of James, that is a little bit of what James is, is teaching us, is that, that, that we are going to have trials. James says a quick hello, and then he jumps into a very serious topic, a very heart-level conversation about being known, and about being understood, and about dealing with a very hard life that we will live and how we interpret and understand the heart of God as we live that life. And it's in a sense of going like, hey, move if this, move if this, move if you've had this trial, if you've had this trial, if you're going through this, if you're experiencing this. And the grid we're working with a little bit is James is showing us that as we deal with these trials, just like in the Move If game, we, we turn around and we look back from the starting line and we're a lot different than where we started. And, and as we are moving towards more and more the person that Christ has made us to be as we deal with these trials, we, we are becoming more and more like Jesus. And, and I, I want to say this because I think this could get misinterpreted and so I, I just want to say it outright. This is not talking, and I'm not talking about a salvation-o-meter or something, like you're earning your way to God. No, that's not what I'm talking about. You were saved by the Lord Jesus at the start line before any trials came your way. What I want to point out is that there is a growth that is happening in you and through you by Jesus as you walk through these trials. And I think that's where James, in this, this first part of the chapter that we read, really is putting in front of us is that God loves you and that God is in control. Okay, do you hear that? God loves you and God is in control. It would be a very scary world to live in if the person that was in control was not good and did not love you. But James is painting that, listen, the Christian life and life outside of believers, people in this world are living a life that is broken and hard. And it's, it is a uh, trial after trial after trial. And James wants to push down deep this morning to say, you may be going through these trials, but God is good and loves you and has a purpose for what you're going through. Um, and that's where I want to start this morning. I want to start this morning with, with just one, one thought, one point from the text, is that God gives you and me struggles and trials. God gives us trials because He loves us. 
God gives us trials because he loves us. Um, friends, I'm not going to lie. I wrestled with that this week. In reading and preparing for this sermon, I was struggling walking through why can I say that out loud? That feels offensive a little bit to say that God loves you or, or that God gives you trials because he loves you. It, it feels a little offensive and, and I was a little worried about how that would land with people that are really going through some difficult things right now. That God is giving me a trial because he loves me? It, it, it doesn't make sense in our human logic. Um, as I look you know, throughout the congregation, um, one thing about being uh, in a pastoral type role is you get to know people um, at their best, and you get to know people's deepest, darkest hurts. And so to say God loves us by giving us trials that might feel offensive to you, and I, I, I want to share in that with you and go, I get it. It's a hard truth to swallow, but at the end of the day, it's true. And what, what I want you to see here and what I would want you to see what James is saying is that that is maybe not the way we want to be loved. Maybe we don't want to be loved through trials. But how God handles it in the heart of God walking us through these trials and the benefit of what God is doing because of these trials outweighs our desires to be loved in a certain way. And it's a really beautiful picture that I want to share as we go through the sermon this morning with James. Um, just as we start, James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Uh, he doesn't say if you meet trials. He says when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your face produces steadfastness. The trials that you are walking through, and, and I'm going to get specific here in a moment, um, and, and I'm going to ask you if you would get specific here in a moment. Um, we're all going to come up and say something in front of the church in a moment, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> Everybody's just tighten up a little bit. Um, what I want you to see is, is, is what James is saying is that your struggle and your trial, what you are walking through right now, as bad and as painful as it is, and it's allowed to be bad and painful and can still produce good fruit. Uh, those things aren't exclusive. It can still be bad and painful because you're walking through something very difficult, but yet it can still produce fruit, and it can still produce fruit in you. I, I, I want you to see James is letting us know that this is not for, for a pointless reason that you're walking through this. God has actually planned a purpose. Uh, why the question often comes up is, why am, why am I going through this? Uh, why, you know, it's, it's the same thing. Um, the why question can sometimes be really funny. Like, women um, give birth and don't complain about pain. Uh, but like men, we tend to get like a cough or a headache or, or a sneeze, and we're like, why is this happening? <laughs> like, the man cold. Everybody knows it's, it's the man cold. My, my wife will remind me of it. When I get sick, I ask, why is this happening? Same reason, we get sick, that's why. Um, but the, the reality is this, is God has taken a broken world, a rebellious people, 
people like you and me that have said, we will do life our way. And in our worst, he has taken this and, and out of his love, he has said, I will take what is bad and I will bring you through what may be bad and painful in the process, but I am working it out for a purpose that will grow you. He says, he says here in, in verse 3, for, uh, for, the, uh, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And that steadfastness, as it, as it takes its full effect, it will make you perfect and complete and lacking nothing. I love you. As we walk through this broken world together, I will be creating Although there will be sin consequences from other people's sins and your sin and this temporary world, I am creating spiritual maturity, character, perseverance, strength for you to know me better. For you to see me clearly. It's not necessarily the way we would choose to be loved. But out of a broken world, God makes, he, 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 he mends us and makes us new and walks us through these trials of our life for our benefit, for our good. Um, in the context, James is writing this letter. This is, most scholars agree, this is the earliest letter of the New Testament. It was written maybe 10, 15 years after the resurrection of Jesus. And he's writing this letter from Jerusalem, from the church in Jerusalem, to all the Jews that have been scattered through hundreds of years and deported in different places. Uh, and, and they have lives now all dispersed around Jerusalem. But, but Northern Africa and, and, and Western Europe and the Near East. And he's writing this letter to them to encourage them because they are walking through their trial of, of really being persecuted pretty, pretty roughly and being mistreated. Not only are they looked down in these areas by Gentiles, non-Jewish people, because they're Jewish, they're also being looked down by fellow Jewish lineage, uh, family members, because these people have, have, have chosen to follow Jesus and put their trust in them. And, and in that, um, they're dealing with a lot of poverty. They're being overlooked. They're being mistreated. And it's easy to read that and go, okay, that, that deals with them then. But, but the Word of God is living and active, and it speaks to us today as we are walking through the trials. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for you to think through what is going on. It's probably not hard to think through what is going on in your life that is putting stress intention and uh, mistreatment, overlooked. I, I, I kind of thought through uh, a week in the life of Steve, and there's, there's relational trouble that have caused some significant trials, whether that be spouse, family, in-laws, uh, um, kids, with, parents, friends, relationships at work, Relational issues, money issues, financial issues, whether I have so much that I, I feel like I, I'm secure and in control of my own kingdom or whether I have so little that I'm, I'm constantly worrying. The trials that I'm walking through. Some of us in here are just struggling with purpose. I just feel like I peaked my senior year of high school and now it's all downhill. 
And, and, and we laugh. The reason we laugh is because it's kind of true. We, we lack desire, uh, or not desire, we, we oftentimes lack purpose and mission. We feel like we're a little bit of a fish out of water. And that's hard. And so we are walking through trials just like the folks, um, different, but same still. We're walking through these trials, and James says to us, rejoice. Another Bible translation said, consider it a gift when trials come. Consider it a gift, and I'm going to name some, and again, it feels offensive, but consider it a gift if you were to go through an illness. Consider it a gift if you were to experience betrayal. Consider it a gift if, if you were to experience poverty. Why? Well, James tells us because these trials are not to break you down and put you under. These trials are supposed to be valued because they're used by God for a purpose that benefits you. That, that I would be ill, and maybe even terminally ill, for the glory of God. That, that whatever... God saw fit to put me in whatever circumstance that it was actually for my benefit. Because as I put my faith in Him, I grow in perseverance. I, I move further from that starting line and deeper and deeper into the person that Christ has made me to be. I, I, I am stripped of the, of the realization of the control that I have over my life, and I realize that when everything is washed away, I have Jesus. I have Jesus. The most important of all relationships. And we see, uh, in just a moment, we'll, we'll take a look at two examples that James gives in this, in this first piece. Um, let me, let me move off this first point into this second point. Obviously, the first point is that, that God gives us trials because He loves us. And, and, and although that may be hard to, to, to drink at times, we realize that it's not for naught and that God has a plan and a purpose and that He is focusing us more on Him. The second point I, I want to draw out is that God gives you trials so that you will love Him. God gives you and I trials so that we would love Him. I just spoke to it a moment ago, but when, when, when pain comes, when struggle comes, when stress or tension comes, most of us, except those that are a little further maybe down the line than, than me and, and you, are most of us put on our own tool belt and we get to work on how we've been taught to fix life's issues or deal with life's issues right? We've got a tool for how to deal with relation management, you know, relational management. We have a tool to, you know, go get our Dave Ramsey stuff out if we're having struggles with finances. You know, we, we've got all these tools, and, and not, they're not necessarily bad tools, but what they do is, is we want to keep the control in our hands. We want the ball, right? 
Like if, if stress is happening in my life, I don't want to pass the ball away. I want to deal with it and, and, and hold on to the control position. And James is, is reaching out and, and he's sending this letter to you and me. And he's saying, listen, that's not the way God has designed for you to live in this broken world. Keeping the control only keeps you a slave to fear and to sin. But, but he says, he says, I've given you uh, this trial for you to walk through because it's going to build you up. It's going to force you to realize I have no control. Even if I want to hold the ball, I have no control over my, my well-being. It has to be trusted to the one that is in control. And that one is the same one that loves you and has laid down his life for you. Uh, Warren Wiersbe, he, he says this, he says, the real exam of Bible study comes in the school of life not in the classroom. The real exam of Bible study comes in the school of life, not in the classroom. Just like the original audience that James was writing to, as we hear these words, we have to allow ourselves to put these words into action. We have to realize that, that God gives us trials so that we will learn to trust Him and love Him. And that that is actually for our good, that we would trust him instead of ourselves. And James says in verse 5, if you're not understanding this, if, if you're not understanding the, the reason that God would, that you should consider it joy when you have trials because God's building you up and strengthening you, he says in verse 5, if you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. Um, God's not keeping a secret from you. He's not, he's not hiding his, his face and, and then kind of like popping out and, and, and going, I'll, I'll give you one word every year. Like he's giving you the full meal and the full truth. And, and he, he lays it out here, says, I'm generous to you. I will give you, but, don't, but let him ask in faith and not doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. That person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. God is telling us, I'm giving you this trial and I, I want you to, to love me back. And, and I'm, I'm showing you, you, you don't have control and that your dependence needs to be on me. And so come to me and trust me. Put, put your full trust in me. This double-minded man, uh, when you really break it down, it, it's, it's kind of the language of an unfaithful lover. It's, it's, it's an unfaithful spouse. It's, it's, hey, I love you and I, I'm, I'm with you in this, but I'm going to keep my options open too. That, that's what, what James is sharing with them is as you're dealing with these trials in your life, God is wanting you to come and put your full trust in Him like a, like a child does a good father. He, he, he doesn't want you to be split, a split personality, one that puts your trust in God but 
but has some reservations. And it's just kind of like, I'm here right now, God, trusting you, but if something else happens, I, I might just jump that wave. Do, do you see? He, he's asking for you to trust him, and this is actually producing love from you to him. He has loved you first, but this is actually now calling you into a deeper love as you trust him. There's a, uh, there's an example I was th uh, thinking of in this. I, I, we explained, look, trials are painful, right? They're, they're not easy, and, and no one looks forward to them. But as we're learning from James, is the scope is we, we're looking at it from the wrong vantage point. If we could see it from God's way, it's actually producing something. Um, so my, uh, when I was in high school, the peak of my life, um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but uh, in high school, all football players were expected to take weightlifting as a daily class, right? And the football coach was the coach, and you know, everything was rigged. All the football guys were in one room. And, okay, Tuesdays and Thursdays were leg days, okay? Those were leg days. And, there, you know, there's a running joke. Christine Tyler can fill you in probably on everyone, like, talks about skipping leg days because they're not the muscles that really people look at, right, when you're on the beach. And so nobody loved doing leg days. But my, my coach would spice it up, um, and, and it was random, as random as random can get. You never knew it was happening. It was, it was, it was actually terrifying. He, you would be walking down the halls, and somebody would go, it's circuit day. And everybody's like, circuit day. And that's, that's like the immediate, like, where you, like, kind of, you're like, I, am I sick? Like, I feel like I might be sick. I might need to go home. Um, circuit day was basically an hour of, of, uh, of leg torture. It was an hour of leg torture, and you would just go through and all the different things, and it would leave you for, for days, walking around, stiff, unable to sit down and stand up. And, and although it was terrible, I mean, literally, it was terrible. I, I hated it. Um, but, but the reality of what was happening is there was stress and tension being put on the muscle so that the fibers would break and build up stronger. It was actually benefiting me, although it was terrible, and I hated it. In, in some ways, as we take a look at the trials in our lives, um, we could take comfort in the fact that, like, God, God has already planned the growth and the purpose that is going to come out of this terrible event. And the same God that, the same God that has allowed this trial is the same God that walks with you lovingly through it. He's the same God that, that grows you more closer to Him and in deeper, more like Jesus because of it. And He's the same God that rewards you with the crown of victory, like an Olympian um, receiving a medal or a wreath around their neck, he rewards you with it as you walk through it with them. And he gives us these two examples here of a rich man and a poor man. Both were in the audience that he was writing to. And not to go into too much detail, but um, they're, they're polar opposites, rich, poor. And we could start doing some polar opposites with 
with us in this room. And the reality is, is James is saying, the poor man, uh, wherever God has seen fit to put him, and he is, he is going through this trial of poverty, the, the poor man can look past his trials because he has gained the riches of heaven. The circumstances aren't determining the, the, the trial that he's in. And those circumstances, that doesn't determine who he really is and the wealth and, and riches that he really has. Because the most important thing he has because of Jesus. And the same things, the, the rich man can lose all his worldly wealth and yet still find joy because of the richness of a relationship with Jesus. And it's really my last point is that God has loved you by conquering your trials and being perfectly faithful through them. That, that you could leave James 1 and go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grip my teeth. I'm going to power through. You know, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get through this because, because God's got a purpose for me. And so I'm just going to power through or, or you could turn your eyes to Jesus and realize, Jesus, you perfectly were faithful through all trials for me. You perfectly, you perfectly um, endured all my trials on the cross. You perfectly were faithful to, to, to the Father with all of my sin. You represented me on the cross and paid for it. I'm justified by you. I really do have peace because the trials in my life have been perfectly endured and perfectly paid for by our Lord Jesus. There is real hope, and that's what James is getting at with the polar opposites, rich, poor, whatever. There is real hope for you because if you can take your vantage, the vantage point of your trial and maybe step out to see God's vantage point, you would see that you are rich, that you are full, that you are healthy, that you are spiritually built up, that, that you are perfect in God's eyes because of how Christ has dealt with our sin and dealt and conquered death. And so this morning, I want to give a, a bit of an application, um, maybe a practical application, as we go in, into this week, and it's this. All of us, the reality is all of us are dealing with something. We can avoid it. We can complain to others and, and, and look for self-pity. We can, we can try to maneuver our way out of it and, and, and leave it prematurely. We can try to buy our way, way out of it and somehow use finances or not like human knowledge to, 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 to trust in. Or, or this week, you can take a deep breath and rest in the trial. You can take a deep breath and rest in God's grace, that He has you in the crosshair of His love.
and that you are not drifting down a river where no one knows where you are and God has no clue that you're in trouble, but instead that God is focused on you and He loves you and He's walking through this with you. And as you turn and continue to see and keep your eyes on Jesus, you will continue to see that this trial and this circumstance that you're in isn't to be met with human efforts. But instead, it's to be met with the righteousness of Christ and the power of God and the peace that comes from God. And that you are already sitting on God's lap, safe, full, and, and, and fully content. Let me pray for us. Father, Lord, this can um, be a hard message, even hard to wrestle with. None of us like pain. It hurts. We don't like hard things. We want comfort and ease. And unfortunately, or actually fortunately, we're not in charge. And uh, Lord, you have taken what, what we have ruined and you have built life back for us. And Lord, as we walk through a broken world where we are sinned against and where we sin against, Lord, you are faithful and you do not leave us or forsake us. Lord, our comfort is in you, in our trials. And Lord, you give them to us to strengthen us and grow us closer to you, to love you more, to know you in deeper ways. And Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would wrestle that into our heart. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.